Woods. I'm your host, Haley Grace. This is a podcast where we talk about houseplants, botany, and everything in between. (laughs) Today, we are going to play a fun game with Angelique and Holly from the Boozy Botanical podcast. We're going to do a little overrated and underrated about just some random planty topics. Um, But if you two want to go ahead and introduce yourselves, Sure. I'm Angelique and I am Holly's co-host. Yeah, we do the Boozy Botanical podcast, which releases every Tuesday. If you guys have seen us on Instagram or if you've listened, which would be preferred, if nothing else. (laughs) And it was actually Holly's idea to start the podcast. So I'll let you take it away, Holly. Hello, my name is Holly. I'm Angelique's co-host of the Boozy Botanical podcast, as mentioned. And I will say it may have been my idea to do a podcast, but you coined the term Boozy Botanical when we we first became friends. We had a succulent boozy mixing night um, and coined it Boozy Botanical night. And I was like, hey, let's make a podcast. (laughs) What do you call it? let's just call it Boozy Botanical Podcast. I was like, we already, cause we had done, uh, we had hosted a party. Um, so, cause it all started when I was new to plants and Holly helped me with the succulent arrangement. And I was like, you should like host a workshop or something. And so uh, we were trying to find a way to make it cute. And I was like, well, we can have alcohol. We can call it this. And that's how we got it. And then we actually held an event pre-COVID that was called Boozy Botanical Night. Mm-hmm. And then, so Holly was like, we've already got a brand. Let's just roll with it. Awesome. And now we're a year in. Wow. That's yeah. great. Yeah. I, this is my second podcast I've started and it definitely Whoa. is just like consistency. The other one just fell through. I was doing it with another friend and our lives just got too busy. I get that. Um, yeah. But that's awesome. A year, 36, 37 yeah. episodes. On a, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> it's crazy. And how did you both get into plants? And like, Ooh. when did you? So for me, I always grew up with my mom having plants, but for me, for me, it was like, I, if anyone ever asked me if I like plants, we're like, yeah, plants are cool. But like, I never, I was like, in my head, I'm thinking of trees, you know? And like, (laughs) and I just like, I thought, yeah, (laughs) like, I think plants are beautiful, but it was, to me, it wasn't a hobby. It was just like, some people have plants, some people don't. And because my mom had plants, it felt like I did too, but I didn't do anything to them. Only if she would go out of the country would I have to like do stuff. So that was it. And then in when I moved to LA, I volunteered at an event, um, a film event where they used succulents as table centerpieces mm-hmm. and they were going to trash them. And I already, I knew that plants were alive and I was like, that's really awful to toss something that's living away. So I took some succulents home and I took, well, I took two, I took two little like two inch starters and they lived at my best friend's house for a while. And for two years, I think they lived for like around two, two and a half years and they got very big. And so that was the only plant I had for a long time. And then I left the country and I had watered it. And then my boyfriend didn't know. So he watered it. And so we killed it together and I was really upset. And that was 2019. But then for my birthday, which lined up with when I got back from that trip, he bought some more succulents to make up for it. And then another friend had given me succulents. And then I met Holly and then all of the plants showed up. <laughs> and that was pretty much it. So I, I always thought they were cool. I just hadn't bothered until really 2018, 2019, which is the one. But 2019 mm-hmm. is when it became for real, where I learned that like they have names that are not plant. And that's, that's all it was. <laughs> awesome. That's a great story. Saving things that are just used as decoration. And then it turned into Call me into the planty Batman or something. <laughs> 
And for you, Holly? Yeah. So somewhat similar in the beginning where I've always been like, yeah, I love plants. You know, there was like, I think back in 2015 when succulents were so popular, I would buy succulents and put them in a dark corner and be like, I don't know why it's dying. Um, (laughs) (laughs) When I actually um, moved to downtown LA, I was literally one block away from the flower district, Mm. which if you don't know, they also sell um, lots and lots of plants for great prices. And it was just a whole new world to me. I'm like, what? I'm like, so I remember one day I was, I was, um, creating, uh, lifestyle content and I wanted to make a house plant video because that was the thing to do is to be into plants. And this was back in like 20, early 2018. So I go, okay, I'm going to walk across the street and pick up a few plants. So I look like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I picked up a bunch and I'm like, you know what? There was that one green and white one. I think I'm going to go back for that one. I went the next day, picked it up. It was a Scanactus Pictus. And then I'm like, oh, but then there's this one too. I'm going to go back again. And long story short, I discovered plant Instagram and just really dove in as you know I do with all my hyperfixation hobbies. <laughs> Holly just kept going back. <laughs> <laughs> it couldn't leave the mind. Yeah. Uh I'm kind of like Angelique. I study environmental sciences. So like I liked cool. nature and biology. And then um I had like a peace lily and a Fatonia in college and like of course some of the hardest ones to first care for and then I killed <laughs> them. Uh, but then just like everyone else during the pandemic, it really became something like now I can care for things in my home. And I was watching plant YouTube. So like, I would just watch hours of it and just learn all these names and stuff. And then when I started working at a plant store, it was able to get my itch out of like trying to help people learn more about the environment or how to care for them or where these guys come from and why maybe they're endangered and stuff like that. But that's really awesome that it just kind of happened for both of you. That's awesome. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, at the moment, like what, I know it always changes, but like, what are your favorite plant or plants right now that you keep? Ooh. Oh my gosh. For me in like recent, maybe like had the last half a year, like Hoyas have totally stolen my heart. Yeah. It was something where at first I was like, I just don't think they're meant for me. Like they were hard. Yeah. They, I thought, yeah, it's all because of Holly. It was kind of an adjustment at first, but they just clicked one day and I just really love that little group. Um, but I have so many plants that I love. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Especially you loving succulents because that makes sense adjacent in some ways, you know, totally. And I love succulents. Holly's totally right about that. So be able to like kind of have succulents indoors in a way was kind of cool. It's like a nice crossover and yeah, it's just, it's been a journey. I just keep finding myself just scrolling Facebook, trying to buy a whole different Hoya that I don't have. So I would say definitely right now, Hoya's fairly at the top of the list for sure. Yeah. And there's like over 800 species. You can, I can just keep so on going. Never ending genus. Yes. Um, I love Hoya too. That was like my first latch in on in terms of plant spe- uh, genus. Yes. But what about you, Holly? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, it's funny because we were recently uh, in one of our podcast episodes talking about plants that we would date. And I was talking (laughs) about my Gloriosum and I think he's still like one of my top favorites. I mean, I'm a Hoya girl through and through. So 
you know, I, I would like to have like a threesome or more Koya <laughs> 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 orgy. But if I did have to pick a forever partner, a favorite plant, it would probably be the gloriosum. Yeah. They, once okay. I just got one and it's just getting acclimated to my conditions, but once they take off, oh my goodness, they are the gift that keeps on giving bigger really leaves, like velvety. Yeah. Pretty I know. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Pretty low key too. So yeah. Uh, so let's just jump into this game. So we're going to play okay. underrated or overrated. It's kind of names itself. We're just going to, I'm going to say a planted <laughs> topic and you're going to tell me if they're underrated or overrated. You could also not have an opinion if you haven't had um, any uh, experience with the guy um, and then just explain why. Uh, so the first cool. one is the all glorious pink princess philodendron. <gasps> I love this plant. So I think I love it, but I'm also having problems with it. So it's a pretty, it's a mixed situation, but like, I would say not overrated. Like I get the hype. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? (laughs) I fully agree. I think what is overrated is paying more than $50 for it. Agreed. You know, I, I think that is overrated because you do need to keep up on the variegation in terms of like, sometimes you need to cut it back or sometimes it does grow out a little wonky. But I mean, there's nothing like those leaves. Like, honestly, they're so pretty. Yeah, I agree with you too, Holly. That's the um, overrated part of it. I think people just expect it to just give you half moons or fully pink leaves, <laughs> but it definitely appreciates a prune or, or so to get that variegation to come back. And also really? it does grow like really crooked and wonky. <laughs> so cutting it back just makes it bushy. It does. So, and you know, it's always a project with, with Miss Pink Princess. <laughs> yes. Um, so the next one, Lekka, which I personally have no experience with, but Same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me and Holly have taught we've had people on to discuss Lekka, like at not dude for Adam. And he's like the Lekka king. And I was hearing him talk and I was just like, there's just pH. It's like your work, it's like you're taking care of a pool. Like yeah. there's a it's a lot going on. So I don't think it's overrated. I just don't get it, I guess is the thing. <laughs> I think, you know, I kind of think Lekka, because I was thinking about this, I think it's very intriguing for maybe some like intermediate um, plant people, of course, depending on if you are like um, Adam or Minimalistic Cali, where they are hardcore Lekka people. But I don't know. I I just think there's so much involved <laughs> whenever That's I see a lot. on my for you page on TikTok. They're like, I'm transferring this to Lekka. I'm like, spike. <laughs> yeah. And just like kind of with the Pring princess, I think it's a little overrated the buy-in cost because Lekka is really yeah. expensive. And if you have 160 plants and like you're slowly transi- transitioning to Lekka, that could be like three to $400 in supplies to get it into Lekka. It is. It is. Early on, I thought about it because I heard that you get less pests with Lekka but yeah definitely but I mean it doesn't mean you're exempt from pests so I'm like well I'll just do soil (laughs) yeah yeah um so the next one is water propagation water propagation Mm, it's a good one um I guess I still water prop, so I don't want to say overrated, but I think now that I use a lot of perlite per Holly's recommendation to propagate, I don't know. Like, I think it's mm, this is a hard one. Like, it's not overrated. It's 
I guess if I had, I don't, mm, Holly, you go first. Okay. I'm well, <laughs> really good go-to. That's how I feel. If I honestly, if you asked me about sphagnum moss, I would say that, oh, that's not really overrated either, but <laughs> I don't like it as much because of how the roots cling onto it so much and then you end up breaking roots. But I mean, it does up up, hum- up the humidity. Um, I think with water, it's kind of like a water propagation. It's very like baseline propagating. Like let's just say you import a plant and you want to just throw it in water and see what happens. I think that's probably the safest bet in some situations, but I, I don't know. I've had the best luck with perlite. So that's kind of my long-winded answer. (laughs) I think for me, especially going off of what Holly said, like for me, if I, like, I have a friend that I'm sort of helping get into plants. So I gave her a cutting of one of my pothos, my snow queen. And I told her, I was like, start off, especially because it's a pothos once, like, just let it callous a pinch. And I don't have to, that's what I told her to be safe. I didn't hate for it to rot on my, for my responsibility, but I was like, see this little thing. That's a node, put that underwater and you'll see roots grow. And this plant does well in water. However, so I think it's a good, if someone's new to plants, I recommend water propping as a start. But then, because they're probably going to start with pothos, but then as they get into more intricate and like not as simple plants, if that makes sense, I think I would say that water isn't the best way to go because, you know, like even with Adansonii, um, I can root them easily in water, but the transfer to soil has always been rough. So when I started putting them in perlite, it kind of started mimicking soil a bit more. Yeah. So it's just the water roots that I think are iffy. Yeah, exactly. I think um, it's underrated in terms of decoration. Like if you wanted to just put a plant on like a wall, like that's where I think water propagation and just like letting it live there for as long as it can just to spruce up some green. But I agree with you, like the water roots, I just did it with my Adansonia and it lost probably like five or six of the original leaves that were rooting with it. And you don't get those like tough roots that are trying to push through some sort of medium to like actually get strong, thick, healthy roots for when you go into soil. Awesome. Um, So now orchids, which I've dabbled it. (laughs) I think they're overrated if you don't know what you're doing. Like, I think (laughs) like, I, it pisses me off low key to just see them being sold at stores all willy nilly. Like they're a bouquet of flowers that people can toss after a while. That makes me mad just because it's like, it's a plant. Like it's like, it's in soil. So I, I think it's like overrated for like the daily, like flower giver. Like, a, like if some dude or some girl is bringing like their partner home, like it's like at orchids and it's just like, we'll just have it for a couple weeks. I think that's overrated because I just think it's wrong, but it's also just a hard plant, in my opinion. I think orchids are very difficult, but they're very rewarding if you figure them out. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't think they're overrated if you're an actual collector. I think they're overrated if you aren't a plant person, is how I feel. Yeah, you know, I think I think uh, Phalaenopsis growing in a pot from the, gro- from the grocery store, I think that is overrated. But what's not, what I think is underrated are orchids that are mounted either on cork bark or on trees. So like here in Florida, it is the coolest thing to see even a Phalaenopsis really mounted to a tree and you can like really see their roots just like going crazy all down like, you know, the palm tree or whatever it is that it's growing on. Um, But there are some other types of orchids 
that are really interesting, but I don't know enough about them. And I, when I go to like, cause I, I recently was in Homestead and we went to an orchid nursery and I'm like, why is this a hundred dollars? It kind of just looks like, you know, cause I mean, I love plants for the leaves and yep. flowers are great, but like, eh, I don't want to pay like whatever, whatever for a hybrid flower. So yeah, <laughs> I, I agree with the philonopsis and like grocery store orchids, orchids being overrated. Um, I, we have a store fantasy orchids out here that specializes Ooh. in orchids. And so I like went in there just to look and leaves is what gets me. And I yeah. think it's commonly known as the glass slipper orchid or lady slipper orchid, oh, okay. but it has like, yeah, it has like purple on the green leaves. And so once you get into pretty leafed orchids that you're okay if they don't bloom for a year or two and they told me they're like you're probably not going to get a bloom for a year and a half to two years it needs to mature more then I think they're underrated and people just need to go out and search but it was 35 dollars, <laughs> so they like orchids can get really expensive right really, yeah. really expensive <laughs> yes. my mom however she's like an orchid queen I don't know how she keeps a thousand of them alive but she's like ice cubes that's all you need and I'm like <laughs> Oh no, but they're not dying. And she's had them for years. Like she's had the same ones from the supermarket for years. So wow. I'm like, surely you know something I don't. Right. <laughs> um, so next we talked about it a little bit earlier, but perlite propagation. Oh, I even see. Oh, that's right. It is on here. Underrated. I love it underrated I love it mm -hmm. and I again I got it from Holly but uh, it's because of my pink princess she gave me a pink princess princess cutting the leaf died right away and I was like oh no and then she was like throw it in a bag of perlite a ziploc bag and then I got roots like in like three days so I'm highly into it I think it's great when you to create like a humidity bubble mm -hmm. and you're propagating so I I really like it for that reason I like it too, because you can even like, you can do the bag method or you can even take like a nursery pot and sort of plant your cutting as you would with soil, but with all perlite and it gives it even more stability really. And then of course, when you water it, you don't have to worry about like draining the water. Cause sometimes if they are propagating in a vessel or a bag and you need to <laughs> moisten the perlite, you can like overdo it. So if you go with the pot and perlite method you can just like woo, just water it and yeah you don't have to worry about it so do you usually like water it weekly if it's in a vessel I don't do anything on a schedule okay <laughs> so you just, just feel it out, it out. Yeah. For me, if I see that I can't see moisture bubbles anymore or that the perlite just looks dry, that's when I add some, some perlite for sure. Or not, but I add water, not perlite. But um, my, my fear with perlite that I've always brought up with Holly is like, is it getting any nutrients if I do this long-term? Mm. So I think that's when you have to consider super thrive or eventually switching over to, to soil. Cause that pink princess, I recently switched over to soil and it started freaking out. So now I'm having to put it back into perlite. So it's like, that part is the only part for me where I get a little confused because I feel like there's no nutrients in it. So the next is moss poles. Ooh, I'll let you go first, Holly, on that one. Okay, well, I've only had my plants interact with moss poles if the humidity is very, very high. So I think for like a common household humidity, I don't think a moss pole is gonna do much other than provide stability. 
and for some people that's enough um but i've been very intrigued by um uh, i think her name's caitlin from plant life in the tropics she has been doing um like wooden boards and letting her plants climb up those so i've been kind of trying like a fusion of um like wooden stakes really so i i think moss poles are fine but i do think the idea of them like using them in the home at a standard home humidity level is a little overrated oh <gasps> yeah whoa <laughs> i i mean i am those people i use it more for stability than humidity for sure because my monstera over here i because it was my first plant that needed stability and i think it was you holly you were like you can try this see what happens yeah and it, it works. Like I am, it's starting to lean a little. So I'm, I might start be myself lean towards overrated a little bit, but I agree. I think if you have a really good, a level of humidity, they're great. I just think I kind of like how certain styles look, but the one I have is kind of, it's not like the cutest one. So I would be happy to switch it up. But one thing I do, because for me, it's primarily stability. I would love to invest. You see these on like Etsy and stuff. They're like 3D printed tubes mm, and yeah, you can stuff cool. them with spag. And I like that just because I think the look is a lot cleaner. And if you are someone that wants like a mossy sort of pole, great. And if not, I think that just as a loan for stability, just the tube is great as well. Because I just think it's, I just think it's prettier. So yeah, I would say moss mm. poles are a bit overrated, but I do use them. So <laughs> yeah, like, no, I, like, I, I agree too. Oh, go on. Oh no, no. I like how they, like, I like plants growing upwards, but as far as like them attaching to the moss pole and then providing bigger roots, I don't know, maybe it's just me. It just doesn't seem to happen a whole lot unless they are growing outside or in my grow tent. So yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's so hard to keep them moist <laughs> and, and yeah. like you have to spray them like every other hour. Um, and sometimes I think that does more harm than good for the plant. Cause then if they do have roots in it, like they just dry out, um, yeah. with what you were talking about, Angelique, I've seen people actually put like just soil since it stays a lot moist, more moist. Oh, that's really cool. That's they a good just point. pop in soil and it does the same effect. Um, I never thought of that. That's really cool. Yeah. And I think it's probably going to be easier with the 3d printed ones instead of just like chicken right. wire because they have a lot larger holes, but on Holly's point, I literally just pick up sticks when I go on a hike and I'm like, now this is your new pole. <laughs> that's so cool. I love that. Yeah, that reminds me too. I've seen this on Instagram where people use like these really pretty intricate shaped, um, driftwood as like oh, a sort cute. of and it has like it curves a little bit it just looks so like organic and yeah I think that's really cool awesome so next is another coveted plant the Monstero Albo Borzigiana <laughs> mouthful okay so for me looks wise I, I same with the pink princess I find it not overrated at all I think it's gorgeous and I get the hype but I think the price is ridiculous. Yeah. The only, re only reason why I have an elbow is because a really big seller, like, I don't even, he's kind of nationwide now. Um, Jumanji John plants. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they're local to LA. They're like, well, they're like in Covina area and Holly and I are friends with his fiance. So she mm. also, Lacey, so she helps with sales and stuff too. And they had posted, uh, they, sometimes they do clearance purges that are only local to LA. 
And she set aside a couple for me and Holly and we each paid, we played 30 per. Yeah. But usually like, I'm not paying $200. I won't do it. Yeah. For how fickle it is. Like, unless it's hella rooted and big, like I can't, I just can't justify it. I can't justify a one leaf cutting for that price. I just think it's too insecure, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's so true. And I think it's hard to find somewhat stable. Well, there's no stable variegation, but I guess like somewhat stable variegation with that plant because the experience I've had, because I've had a few different albos, you know, versus like trades and, you know, the one that we got from Lacey. Um, but they're either always reverting or they're always putting out like all white leaves. So it's, I remember especially like, you know, in 2020, it was almost impossible to find like that sweet spot. Otherwise you'd be paying like in the thousands of dollars. Um, so all the, uh, albums I have are either, except Lacey's, unfortunately that one died, but, um, oh man, I know, but anyways, I have one that is extremely, extremely white with barely any green. And then I have others that have completely reverted. So I would, I mean, I'm really a fan of the Thai constellation. So I would prefer it. I'm just going to make it easy and say the Albo's um, overrated. <laughs> yeah. If I had to choose between that and the Tycon, I agree. I think the Tycon's better. Yeah. Thai constellations have just grown on me since I've seen so many, like the ones that have come into our shop, like some don't get me going, but others with like really like sectoral and not just like constellation constellation variegation Mm, I really enjoy I'm on your side more Angelique of the price is insane and that is overrated because I at the beginning of mine I think I paid like 150 for a two leaf cutting um pretty good variegation um which I thought was a steal but it died (laughs) and then I told it to one of uh, our customers and like five months later she graciously came in with a rooted cutting for me and um I think doing trades or like gifting one because like once mine grows out I'm gonna cut it and like share it with my coworkers, and that's kind of how I think it should be more like that instead of people purchasing this plant and then thinking they're gonna make a profit on it because they know it's still so high in value but mine is in that like sweet spot where it has like nice sectoral but also a lot of um splashy variegation um it has yet to either go down in variegation or give me all white leaves so here's to hoping but she's gonna (laughs) um so the next one is terracotta pots Ooh, i think these are underrated i do i love terracotta i do i will say they some plants i think are better in ceramic or something that's not porous Right. But it, I started with terracotta. Most of my outdoor plants are in terracotta. My huge monster is in terracotta and he loves it. But then for example, I have a fiddle leaf fig, which we know can be quite fickle. So I am terrified to ever switch it to terracotta because it's used to plastic. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I think kind of just depends. I think you can acclimate a lot of plants to it, but I think plants that prefer to breathe that like, don't like to stay moist um terracotta is perfectly fine and I think it's underrated I think a lot of people find it like they're ugly flower pots but like yeah you don't have to get flower potted ones and even so like I just think they're I think they're very cute I love how earthy they are and it's funny that you say that about people's opinions because my mom is like that she's like a flower pot no like she really loves the ceramic look but I don't know I've always loved 
just like the pairing of certain plants with terracotta and it's so earthy and what's cool too is like you can find like ceramicists and they will make like terracotta pots but with like interesting shapes and just like yes yes so beautiful so yeah I err on the side of a little overrated. I just, oh. it's my own personal experience. <laughs> I had it, my variegated alocasia in one and I went to go up pot it and there were three feet of roots like attached to the terracotta. And I know you should soak them before, but it, like I had to rip them all off and it's, like, yeah. it just took three or four months for them to grow. And then at least here in Colorado, where the humidity is so low, having mm-hmm. all of their water just like dissipate into the pot. I had some like watering issues. Um, I use them as cover pots all the time because I really like the like um, gray earth material of yes. terracotta and some of them even come marbled um so yes. I use them as cover pots but like for me directly potting I, I just never want to go through that hurt again of having to rip all these um, like, yeah roots that off. makes sense though with that like with your humidity levels I think in LA um it's definitely more dual I think it's slightly more humid here probably and then for where Holly's living I think that's not a problem at all yeah it really isn't and that's people's gripe especially with potting hoyas directly in terracotta even though they love it because it's breathable and porous but you just have to be like careful you know and of course I'm I live in Florida so things are much more humid here so I can like really work the roots and it's usually not too bad but that is the thing though in drier climates for sure um, and then now the next is Sansevieria Ooh. or Dracaena as it's oh. now reclassified. But. Yeah. Here at Boozy, we refuse. We were talking <laughs> about that one episode. We're like, it'll never be a Dracaena. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's always a Sansevieria. <laughs> I'm looking at mine. My, my favorite is the Moonshine Sansevieria. I think it's gorgeous. I, I don't know. It's, snake plants are definitely very mainstream so I think they're overrated in that sense but then like I think they're I don't know because I find them easy and hard some people are like this is the easiest plant you'll ever have but for me I forget to water plants all the time so then like I know because Holly always taught me this rule it was like water on rent day for a Sansevieria <laughs> like once a month and done but like I never know if I'm actually doing it so like I'm always terrified that it's dead same with my ZZ like the ones that don't need a lot of water, I'm just like, I think I give them too much credit. And so I don't know what's happening ever. So I, I don't know what my answer is. I guess a little overrated, but I still love them. I just think I'm not good at them is the thing, but I have one. So there's that. Yeah. I've killed a lot of other Sansevierias though. I agree with you. They're very mainstream. And it's funny that, you know, you bring that up. Cause I was even looking at some of my plants last night and I'm like, I love my plants, but they definitely do not look like that commercial designer, you know, essence that snake plants, pothos, you know, those sort of baseline plants bring. But what I do like about snake plants is like, they have a very structured, calming appearance to them. Yes. And I do appreciate that you can put them in a, in a low light corner. Um, but I think sometimes they feel underwhelming. It's not that they're underrated, but they feel a little underwhelming. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm on the side of like undecided because 
the fact they can grow to be like six feet tall they just never since people use them as low light house plants just like with the zz they never reach their full potential so like their beauty that they can give compared to like a fake sansevieria that is five feet tall already and it hasn't (laughs) had to grow to there is a little underrated but there are a lot of sansevieria varieties that haven't hit like commercial like they have like bantle sensation is kind of one that like dabbles in not just being like the Laurentii the like yellow margin one or the black coral coral um I think people just use them a lot for like low light plants which is nice for zhuzh but like you never let them get to what they can be I think that's what struggle why why mine is like okay but it's not ecstatic about life because I have it in a darker spot in my house but I don't I don't like that like I prefer that all my plants have as bright of light as possible but it's just one of those things. So I, cause I, I'm someone where it's like, yeah, there are low, I don't think there's a low light plant, but I think there's plants that won't die in low light, but they're not happy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. They'll survive, but they won't thrive. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, so the next one, moisture meters. Hmm. Well, I guess I'll go first. I think they were extremely, um, overrated because I would either just do like the finger in the soil method or honestly now like I can just kind of look at my plants and kind of see oh you're a little droopy you're not as vibrant or like you know um, and you can also you know lift a pot there's so many ways to check on water but I will say with either newer plants or very large plants that are in you know bigger pots I think it does come in handy just to sort of get an idea like, I don't think I sh- you should treat it as, like, concrete evidence that, like, oh, it's this dry, but I think it's a good sort of starting point if you're, like, oh, my God, like, do you need water? When's the last time I watered you? So, yeah. I, I don't I'm know undec- to, to answer that. <laughs> I'm undecided on it because I don't have one. I've never used one, so I feel wrong being, like, it's overrated, but I knew, I know you have one, Holly, right? So, it's, like, yeah, like I feel like it would be cool probably to know what's going on down there, but I just haven't made the plunge. Like I haven't tried. So for me, I'm undecided. Like I don't know if it would actually help me or not. It probably would because I tend to underwater, but yeah, I just, I feel undecided about that one. I think yeah. they're a little overrated um, because like chopstick or your finger that's cost half of what a moisture meter cost. Yes. Um, And also like, I know I've seen posts just being like, my plants dry, but it's reading wet or like my plants wet and it's reading dry. And a lot of what the moisture meter does is actually measure like the salt content in your soil. Cause that's what's sending like the electricity between the two probes. So like where I live, we have a really high salt, like just our water is very high in salts. Cause we're near the mountains. So like a lot of the minerals are pretty oh, fresh. Yeah. Um, or even like fertilizer, like I get salt rings on my, um, nursery pots within like three or four months of just owning them without fertilizing so for me like they've kind of been a lie and like my finger and eye seeing is just like using my senses works for me yeah Um, but that's just yes yeah (laughs) uh so the next which I've never done um but importing plants that's a good one um I'll take this one first Holly I also have never done one have done this I think it's a little it's tough I think it's a little overrated but I understand why people 
do it. I do understand that it's a business, you know, but for me, it's like, I don't know. I guess I would just personally try to, if, unless it's something really insane, like I've never had the need to import. There's stuff that I love that comes from abroad. Like you can import a glorious and you can import all these different things, but I would rather just try to find them like locally within the U S just because, um, it's just a big chance, you know, like it's a big gamble and importing isn't always cheap. Some people say that they get more bang for their buck. Like you drop a hundred bucks, but you get six different plants out of it or whatever. And you have to get, there's a lot of steps. You have to get the phytosanitary certificate. You have to get all these different things. And it's like, they can still die and then you're screwed. So, and I don't want things to get lost in translation because you are dealing probably with a lot of sellers from abroad, well, from like Asian countries, which I don't speak the languages. And it's like, obviously they speak English, a lot of them, but I would just hate for there to be a miscommunication on my part. And then I've invested money that goes to waste sort of. So if I can, I like to keep it within the U S I don't even, I even prefer just local. I plant mail freaks me out. I've done it before again, always with Holly's help, but I'm always just so worried about it. So for me personally, I find it overrated, but who knows? I might, I might make the switch if it's worth it one day. <laughs> it just depends on what it is. Yeah, no, I haven't directly imported. Like there's a bunch of, you know, pretty reputable websites, but I have gotten import plants from like Equigenera and, you know, orchid shows and things like that. And I will say that it's, different like if you go into it expecting you're gonna have this like amazing healthy plant like sometimes you might but um I think you need to be prepared to like baby the plant and bring it back to life so I do see it like for collectors a good way to get a certain plant that is very expensive but just have it in your mind that you're gonna just have a node and if you have roots great if you have a leaf great but like try to go in with like very low expectations right um so yeah that's I'd I'd say it's mm, I think the hype is sort of where it where it should be I guess maybe yeah yeah I in the same way um my friend orders from Equigenera a lot and they they take it from um god why I can't think of the country's name um Um, Ecuador Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, they take it from Ecuador and then import it to Florida and then house it there and then ship it out throughout the U.S., which is nice because they take out that phytosanitary need. But he right. just made an order and I don't order plant orders in the winter, even if we do have like 50 degree days right. because it's just the whole country's in a different weather zone anyway. Right. Um, and he ordered like $250 worth of plants and they all came dead. And all of them? Yeah. Salvageable? Oh. Like roots, just like the cold damage of it just like happened. And he thought he would be okay because it's not coming straight from Ecuador. It was going to Florida and then us. But there's just so much time and space in between that all. Um, and like even I know some... Uh, plant shops here will import and even at that rate like you have to acclimate it for four months at least before I would want to sell it to someone else because then they're thinking it's just going to be okay and either just like a greenhouse or like their natural environment when they need still like 80 percent humidity till they get their roots going um right so I think it's a little overrated um but just like what you said Angelique if there was a plant that I really wanted that was like thousands of dollars but I can get it for 50 bucks I might try it right exactly I think you just have to what Holly said have low expectations so that you don't get too disappointed 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the next is bonsais or bonsai. Oh, I, man, I think they're beautiful, but I've never tried them. Um, I think they're over again. This is kind of what I said about orchids. I think they're overrated in terms of like someone that's not into plants, but they're buying them for like, oh, I'm going to get, I'm going to someone's office today. Let me bring them a bonsai or whatever. Like, I feel like it's cause like those, I don't know why I feel like they're almost spiritual plants and it's, I feel like they need a little respect that they don't get because they're, they're also so mainstream. It's like, look, they're in a little three inch pot and you're going to have a tiny tree in your house. And I'm like, I feel like there's a lot more that goes into it than that. But I just think that they're, they're treated in the same way as orchids are. I think they're just like, they're just gifts. And I'm like, no, they're more than that. And I think, I think they're very fascinating plants. If you really do your research and learn to understand them. And I just, I am, I don't know if they're easy or if they're hard, but I think mainstream wise, they're very overrated. I think collector wise, some with experience, I think they're underrated because I don't even know anybody that has a bonsai that are in, in my main plant circle, but they, I imagine they're very satisfying to have if you, if you get it, you know? Yeah, I agree. I feel like I would be kind of scared to own one because I mean, they take a long time to grow and I would probably kill it. But I think that like what you were saying, Angelique, I think that they're under, uh, sorry, overrated in the sense of like someone, someone saying, I'm just going to go buy one. You know, it's, it's very, I get the same vibes when somebody says they want a Venus flytrap or if somebody wants just something different because they're just trying to be different, but I just think in that sense, it's overrated, but it's probably underrated being that like, you don't see you know, your favorite YouTuber or talking plant YouTuber talking about them, or you don't, you don't really even see, you know, people on Instagram talking about them that much. So maybe in that sense, it's a little underrated, but I, I think if someone wants to willy nilly pick one up from someone selling it off the side of the road, that's a little, yeah, they're sold out of trucks a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, what are we doing here? People like Man, a lot of those guys too because they are pretty grown for bonsai they have that thick trunk a lot of them are just taken out of like swamps in louisiana and kentucky at that size and put into a bonsai um i've heard that happen a lot because then it gives that old look but it's only been bonsai for like three or four years mm-hmm. um i'm at my work right now we're having kind of like a bonsai off and like <laughs> trying to like use the wire to make the branches go the way you want and kind of just playing with like a portocarpus and a juniper and seeing like what we can do um yeah. but my boss trained with uh this bonsai guy for a really long time so he's a lot of great insight but it takes a long time to get that reward which is why I think it's underrated because the patience of 15 20 years to see like this art piece you created and I think they are even overrated not just in the sense of like buying them in grocery stores but when there's like plant stores here that sell really old bonsai that are like 15 20 years old and what you would think when you think of like a mature bonsai tree but having someone care for that and not know how to take care of a bonsai is like scary because that's a really old tree and a lot of people that care for bonsai want to take it from a baby all the way and like artistically create the look they want for that guy so like these $500 bonsais are just right a little crazy selling in store because it's it's more personal and like an art form 
Totally. That's like a good way to describe it. I, I love hearing, hearing it described as an art form because it really is. And yeah, it's, it's a lot. I, I agree with you hundred percent. Fun fact, the highest selling plant was a bonsai and it sold for $1.3 million. Wow. Because it was older? Yeah. I think it was about like 80 years old. Wow. Just like the style mm-hmm. of it all. I think it, it's kind of like people that are really into more exotic animals, like birds, mm. like it's like you're committing to that bird for probably 30 years or more. Like birds live a long time if they're taken care of. And it's like, but you see people being like, I'm rehoming my bird after two years. And it's like, what are we doing here? You know, yeah. like it's a lot, it's a long commitment. Totally. Yeah. And so the last topic is neem oil. <laughs> Uh-oh, Holly. Oh, I'll let you start. <laughs> okay. I think neem oil as a way to combat pests, like if you already have, an infestation is so overrated. Like yes. it doesn't mm-hmm. do shit. I'm sorry. I think <laughs> great as a preventative. Like when you buy a new plant, you repot it, you wash down the leaves and get a little spray of neem oil. Sure. Great. But like when someone says, Holly, I have spider mites. What should I do? Should I get neem oil? I'm like, heck no. You need to get like Captain Jack. Captain Jack, or even honestly, like um, cannabis growers have the best products for spider mites because they have to deal with that all the time. So yeah, neem oil, um, under, uh, sorry, overrated. <laughs> for sure. I'm kind of in the same boat because I don't really, I forget I have neem oil, honestly, so I don't really think <laughs> about it, but kind of similar to what Holly's saying, like I think it's good for preventative, like you said. And I think if you have nothing else and you see a pest, use it just because like, Sure. Better, better to use something than nothing against a spider mite. But I've been satisfied because she recommended Captain Jack to me and I've really so far enjoyed it. I like systemic granules as well if you need it for a little something, but I'm all, I also suck at pests period. So it's like, I never notice when I have them, I take selfies with them apparently. So I, <laughs> I was working on one of my plants a few weeks ago and I got so excited. It was a copper spoon. And I was like, Oh my God, it's flowering. I take the picture and I'm like, I don't know why there's orange dots everywhere. Oh, and yeah. they were aphids. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, Oh, it's a bug. So clearly I'm not the best person to ask. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you guys. I think it's overrated. And what I think a lot of people don't understand, it's just preventative. Like it's not going to attack an infestation you already have. Mm-hmm. Um, and like it is mildly toxic to smaller humans and pets. So like right. people just like spraying it willy-nilly kind of freaks me out a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I just use soap water and um a little bit of isopropyl alcohol um mm, and just like do cool. that as a spray sometimes and sometimes I don't even wash it off because like the the ratios are so low um yeah. but I learned that from where I work now because you have to have a pesticide license to spray any of that kind of stuff and it's like 250 dollars a year to do that and if you just use soap and water like you're technically just cleaning the leaves and there's nothing toxic there and it does the same thing it suffocates them um and their breathing pores on the surface of them and I add that isopropyl alcohol because spider mites uh webs are a little hydrophobic so that the the water won't really affect them so like the alcohol dissolves it all but yeah. when the second time I moved I was keeping my friend's um cannabis plan and it had spider mites and it no. attacked my entire collection oh. um so for like three weeks, I was just spraying them and I didn't notice it until like on my Florida uh, ghost, I just like 
so many webs. Like they've been there for a long time. They've made a home, a community. Um, but I really lost like 10 or 15 plants, but like they weren't the ones that I was really worried about because I could find them and I've been finding them um, at other nurseries and just recuperating. But like, if I just had used neem oil, I don't think I would have had the success like that I would have had if I had a different preventative. I'm glad we're on this. It's like a touchy subject. People are like all for neem oil yeah. or they have like found the truth and then like there's other better systemics or insecticides that are a lot more effective. Totally. Yeah. I completely agree. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for being on here. I really appreciate it. This is a lot of fun. I hope this you can do it again. This was really cool. Definitely. I had a blast. This is really, really cool. This is our first, um, our first request to be like this is the first time we've recorded with another podcast. So that's wow. really exciting. Awesome. Yeah. Get them all connected. Yes. Um, and then is there any last things you want to say to the listeners um, about your podcast? Things coming up for you guys? Well, really quick. When does this episode come out? Um, Tomorrow. Oh, great. So for those of you listening, next week, our 50th episode is coming out. Oh. So we're very excited about that. We have some fun things planned that we're still working out. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I, I hope Holly is as well. <laughs> so yeah, so much fun. We're doing, uh, not to give it away, but like a drinking game. So come join us. It'll be a grand old time. Yes. And we're also, um, we don't have a release date set for this, but we are collaborating with the podcast. Where are we growing with Nicole and Brandon soon? So that's on the horizon as well. And that's pretty much it. You can catch us at Boozy Botanical Podcast on Instagram and our email is boozybotanicalpodcast at gmail.com. And we're all, we're on most of the, like pretty much all the main uh, listening sites. So you can go on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We always appreciate a good review and yeah. And we're also on Spreaker Prime. So if you hear an ad here or there, it's just because of that, but it's nothing too invasive. So that, that's pretty much it. I think. Awesome. And congratulations on 50 episodes. It's really awesome. Thank you. Um, We're really excited. Oh, and you guys should definitely check out Holly's shop because she makes terrazzo uh, products as well. Yes, concretebotanical.com. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, thank you all for listening and I hope you guys have a great day or night, whatever time it is where you are. And I will talk to you next week. Bye.